Hey guys, Bill here. We're talking all about Cam Newton and his decision to sign with the New England Patriots today. We're going to have Mike Reese, our Patriot beat reporter, talking about the decision. And we're going to have Matt Bowen talking about how the Patriots offense might change, whether it's Cam or Jared Sidham at quarterback. But first, just wanted to remind you guys, check out ESPN Daily, now with Mina Kimes, although in the future, uh, is going to be Pablo Torre taking over as Mina moves to NFL Live. So, Regardless of who the host is, excellent stuff five days a week, breaking down the biggest stories in sports. If you are also interested in more of my thoughts about the Cam Newton situation, I'm on ESPN Daily this week. I was on the Tuesday episode, I believe, talking about the Cam situation. So check that out and subscribe to ESPN Daily and subscribe to The Bill Barnwell Show, which is on the way right now. Joining me, as promised on the show, frequent contributor to The Bill Barnwell Show, a good friend of mine, does excellent work covering the Patriots. For ESPN, and we're going to, so we're going to ask him about uh, what he thinks about Cam Newton and uh, uh, this this suddenly new Patriots quarterback. It's our friend Mike Reese. Mike, how are you? Bill, it's great to be with you as always. I appreciate the kind words and uh, feel the same about you. Doing well, and uh, hope all the listeners are as well. We have a very interesting topic to talk about. I don't know about you. I, I want to start with this. I have to admit that even though I'd written about it making some sense, even though I was still holding on a tiny bit of hope, you know, even when I wrote about Jared Stidham a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, barring a last-second move, uh, you know, he's one of the winners of the offseason. And then that last-second move happened. The Patriots signed Cam Newton. So, uh, Mike, I want to start with this. When the news broke, how surprised were you? In the moment, Bill, you're, you're always surprised. And to be honest, that's not the easiest thing to say when you're a beat reporter covering the team. Yes. You never really want to be surprised when news breaks, right? Yes, you want to sure. feel like you're on top of everything. And so, of course, we all learned about it through our colleague Adam Schefter's tweet along mm-hmm. with our colleague Chris Mortensen. My first thought, Bill, was, okay, let me just check, make sure Adam wasn't hacked, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and you take that deep breath and you say, oh, no, this looks legitimate it is legitimate and then you work backwards from there and maybe Mm -hmm. that initial surprise you know um, becomes a little less acute if that's the right word as you start to piece it together and understand how it came together Mm -hmm. yeah that makes total sense Um, and and, you know I, I do think that you can see the logic behind why the Patriots would pursue Cam Newton especially when you look at the contract I mean this is a one-year deal it's for the minimum. There are incentives, but, I mean, there's so little risk for the Patriots to bring Cam on. The one thing it might impact, I think it's fair to say, is how perhaps they perceive or we what we think about how they perceive Jared Stidham, who had been the guy who was the presumptive number one quarterback. You know, Brian Hoyer, I guess, is in the discussion as well, but Stidham was the presumed starting quarterback for the Patriots heading into the regular season. They passed on the opportunity to sign a lot of different guys, trade for guys, draft for somebody. I mean, they went forward with Jared Stidham throughout this entire offseason. And then suddenly, you know, we get to the middle of June and they make a change. So in terms of the Jared Stidham situation, do you think this is more likely to signal, hey, we had the opportunity to buy low on a franchise quarterback and this was a, a risk we had to take or, or opportunity we had to take given the low risk? Or do you think it means that the Patriots 
even though they've said all the right things about Jared Stidham, still thought that Cam Newton would be a, a significantly better option than Jared Stidham, the guy they had in hand. Well, I, I think it's more the first thing okay. that you said, Bill, and I feel pretty strongly about it just in terms of putting out my tentacles in, you know, throughout, the organi- throughout the organization, different parts of it. And I believe what they're selling in these conversations, which is this. If we had to go into the season with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer as our top two quarterbacks, we were comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, acknowledging like there's a part of Jared that was going to be a blind spot until he actually showed he could do it. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- that blind spot was always there. I think we've discussed that. Like they like everything that he's brought to the table to this point, but there was always going to be a little bit of an element of the unknown. And so if that's what it was, we're comfortable living with it. that if they can get solid play from the quarterback position and put enough around that quarterback, both offensively, defensively, and on special teams, that they could be competitive, possibly catch fire, like they did in 2001 when Tom Brady was in his second year. Then all of a sudden, what didn't seem like it could be a reality back in May when Bill Belichick said, look, the door's always open, but we got guys we're comfortable working with, now becomes a reality in late June that Cam Newton's willing to accept this type of contract? Well, once that factor that is in play, Bill, it changes the whole discussion. Makes total sense. Um, and I, I do think that from Cam's perspective, this is a guy who – you know, uh, was making a lot of money and and was a starter for a long time. He deserved to be a starter. He was one of the better quarterbacks in football and healthy. Um, and we saw, I mean, the market, you know, kind of closed up pretty quick. A lot of guys, you know, a lot of the, the few starting jobs that were available became full pretty quick after Tom Brady made his choice. And then the sort of the primary backup jobs became full and the Patriots were the only option really uh, when it came to even the possibility of a starting job that Cam Newton had if he was going to, you know, accept this sort of opportunity. So um, given that it was the only only chance, the Patriots had all the leverage in, in offering Cam a very team-friendly contract. They even have the right uh, to franchise Cam Newton after the season if Cam does play well. And I noticed that our colleague Diana Rossini uh, said that, and this is quoting her tweet, I spoke over text with an AFC East head coach on Cam and the Patriots. And the quote says, I think they are going to keep three quarterbacks. Use Cam Newton perhaps as the wild card. I actually don't see him starting week one in this offense. I know one thing for a fact. The Patriots love Jared Stidham. And I wonder, you know, Mike, do you think the most likely scenario when it comes to the first part of this season for the Patriots is that we see Jared Stidham as the starter and, and Cam in sort of a a part-time role where he is, you know, coming on for a few snaps per game? That's a compelling thought, Bill. I think I probably lean in the other direction that if Cam Newton shows that, you know, he can pick up this system and if Cam Newton shows that this is the right, that he can fit in this culture, hard driving culture where it's all business, you got to walk in that locker room, check your ego, and make it, you know, more about we than me. If those two factors sort of, you know, fall into place, plus, and this is the biggest one, of course, 
if his health is good, I just think what he brings to you as a player is just the the just at a higher level, a higher proven level, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, than Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. So I would lean more toward Cam um, being the guy if those factors, um, you know, fall into place. And I guess there's probably one other important thing to mention is this is an organization that, for the most part, has a history of not valuing status, whether it's draft pick status, contract status, in terms of making decisions on who will play. And so if Jarrett Stidham balls out and shows that he's the best quarterback, like I, I, I view an unsentimental approach from mm-hmm. Bill Belichick in saying, look, Jarrett has proved it in the time we've had. He's our guy, and it wouldn't shock me if they go back to the scenario that they had on Saturday before mm-hmm. this unfolded, where it would be just Jarrett and Brian Hoyer if they felt like like Cam wasn't up for that wild card niche type of hypothetical role that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. In terms of this upcoming summer, I mean, obviously, we have no idea whether there will even be an NFL season, if there will be an abbreviated season, if there will be a preseason what training camp will look like. We don't know. We have no idea um, what the next couple months are going to look like. Mike, if the preseason and the training camp schedule is shortened or perhaps non-existent or dramatically different from what we expect in a typical off season, do you think that benefits Cam or do you think that benefits Jared Stidham? I think it benefits Stidham because we're talking about someone who's already had a year in the system, who already has established relationships and connections in the locker room that are so important to build. And we're talking about someone that was helping lead some of these voluntary player-led workouts back in you know, May. Mm-hmm. And so he's further down the road in terms of, of all those things that are important for any quarterback and so to me, it's sort of that factor versus the natural talent and ability and really, I mean, high-level talent. We're talking like mm-hmm. this could be special if Cam can get back to what he was pre-injury. Um, you know, it's sort of balancing those two things, which one wins out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to actually talk about that as well. In terms of Cam season, now let's, let's consider another hypothetical here. Let's say Cam Newton plays well and, and has a very good season as the Patriots starter. As I mentioned, this is a one-year deal. The Patriots have the ability to franchise, but um, otherwise no link to Cam Newton after the season. And they could, uh, you know, recoup a third-round pick for Cam if, if Cam does play well and he gets a big deal in free agency. I don't want to suggest that these two things are directly related, but the Patriots were docked a third-round pick as part of the um, the scandal related to their, them filming Cincinnati earlier this year. I, I don't think that they signed Cam in the hopes of recouping that pick. But what I do want to ask you, Mike, is if Cam does play well this year, do you think the Patriots would be likely to sign him to a long-term contract given his injury history? Or, or, or do you think at this point, you know, that, that Cam would be a, hey, we have the opportunity to sign a valuable player for cheap for one year. Jared Stidham's still our guy, but, you know, we're happy with what we saw from Cam, and we're going to let him leave, and 
you know, we're going to go back to our original plan? I think everything is on the table okay. for this situation. And it's the type of thing where they will assess it as it goes and gather more information. So, Bill, like, great example. They're going to learn a lot about Jared Stidham with how he responds to this competition, right? And maybe they end up feeling even stronger about him, you know, with however yeah. this unfolds. So I think that's part of all the unknown, um, you know, with this, that really it's hard to project where this is going to go. Maybe Cam comes in and it's the type of situation where he immerses himself in this culture so well mm -hmm. that it becomes a fit that they say, we found our next guy. That's possible. And as much as we did like Jared Stidham, like Cam is, is our guy now because he will be mm -hmm. 32 yeah. next year, which is still well within the range of – you know, prime years for a quarterback. So I think to me that can go in any different direction and really hard to project at this time. Sure, totally fair. But I think the fact that, it, you know, all possibilities are on the table is really interesting when it comes to camp. Um, one other question I wanted to ask you about, as someone who has covered the Patriots, you know, for the past 20 years and, and for this Belichick era, in, in terms of Belichick's past, you look at, at Cam Newton's record against the Patriots. I forget who mentioned it. He is, to my knowledge, the only quarterback who has played the Patriots more than once and not lost. Um, he's had two games against the Patriots during his pro career. They've been, both been excellent. They've both been Panthers victories. There was a famous game, Sunday night or Monday night, a primetime game where there was a questionable penalty not called in the last play, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, yep. the Panthers won. And then, of course, the game in Foxborough a few years ago where the Panthers had a last second drive to win the game. So Cam yep. Newton has had two great games against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Do you, have you found from what you've seen in the past when it's come to Belichick acquiring players or pursuing players, has he really gone after guys who have excelled against the Patriots in the past? Or is it just sort of, you know, uh, he's going to sign a good player regardless of how they've played against New England. I mean, that, that first part is a factor. You play well against the Patriots, you show up on their radar, and you might show up on their roster, you know, a year or two later. The classic story to me, Bill, is back in 2007. And they get this, you know, it had been a couple years where this slot receiver in Miami, you know, was just carving them up, and they were having trouble covering them. They were trying all these different things. Finally, they just throw their hands up, say, you know what? we we got to get this Wes Welker on our team. We we just can't cover him. And so they go make, you know, a move, which at the time, you know, some people were saying, wow, that's a lot to give up to get Wes Welker. And then, you know, he, of course, catching everything over the next five or so years playing for the Patriots, and it was a great move. So that's one example that to me highlights a point, a, a lesser known example would be last year. Terrence Brooks, the safety who they signed from the Jets. Like, probably wasn't on many people's free agent radars, but mm -hmm. in the Patriots' special teams meetings, when they were getting ready to face the Jets, they kept saying, well, we've got to make sure we take care of this Brooks guy. And he becomes available as a free agent, and they bring him onto their team. So there is certainly a dynamic in play with that line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, Wes Welker had a... Uh, Wes Welker was not a starter for the Dolphins back in those days, by the way. I know it seems crazy now, in hindsight, that Wes Welker would not have been starting on what were some pretty mediocre Dolphins teams, if I memory serves me right. But um, he had 77 yards, uh, a nine-catch game 
against the Patriots with Joey Harrington at quarterback for a Dolphins team that I believe finished 1-15. Oh, no, this was the Nick Saban team, 6-10, and 10, excuse me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was very surprising. I remember writing about it at the time. I didn't think it was a good move that the Patriots were trading. Um, uh, I think a second-round pick, if I'm not second mistaken, round. for Wes Welker. And you know what? You get some wrong, and, and that is one that I did not get correct. Uh, Wes Welker had an excellent career, obviously, with the Patriots. But, yeah, I think it makes total sense. Uh, I mean, I think the Brooks example is really good as well. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to be good against the Patriots. They're really good at a lot of things. And so um, I, I think it's such a it's such an obvious move for the Patriots to consider Cam Newton as a, you know, the, the sort of guy who you target in this range because the upside is obviously dramatic. Um, and, and I think the other point you made that I really agree with is it could be a good thing for Jared Stidham. You know, I, I thought about the Packers when the Packers, um, you know, did not draft a wide receiver in the first round and, uh, you know, brought on a quarterback to challenge Aaron Rodgers and replace Aaron Rodgers in the long term uh, in drafting Jordan Love. And, you know, will that upset Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, of course it will. Aaron Rodgers was from sure furious when the Packers drafted Jordan Love, but it's also going to challenge him. This is a guy who has not had that sort of challenge in 10 or 12 years uh, since he was, you know, first taking over for Brett Favre, since he had been drafted at the end of the first round. There had not been doubters or skeptics of Aaron Rodgers, and I think that might motivate Aaron Rodgers, and it could motivate Jared Sidham as well. Not maybe motivate is the wrong word, but just, you know, having that sort of challenge might get the best out of Jared Sidham. And I think, you know, it, it's not out of the question that the Patriots are doing this, saying, hey, we might cut Cam Newton at the end of camp if Jared Sidham is our guy, because we just want to make sure that he, you know, can respond to that sort of challenge. Yep, yep. And I and I, and I would say that the, the count, the flip side of that is, if there is not a great response, then there's the other side of it, Bill, which is, hey, as as much as we like the direction this was heading, you know, the response here is a little concerning, and maybe that puts us back in the market in the draft at that position in 2021 because thing that that is important to highlight to me and really the consistency of it is so important bill because you can't be saying for two or three months you know hey patriots every move they made is a a statement of confidence in jared stidham and then all of a sudden in my view pivot over and say well of course cam makes sense like without getting into like the acknowledgement from them internally that as much as they like him you never really know, sure. you know, until until a guy does it. And that, that was really true with Tom Brady in 2001. You know, it was really true with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2016. They liked it, Bill. Like, they, they knew, they thought it was heading in the right direction. But until you actually go do it, you know, you, you're, you're going to be riding with a little bit of an unknown there. And mm-hmm. so there's still more information to ascertain for them as it relates to Jared Stidham. But I'd say, I would say decisively, I, I don't believe that this signing a Cam Newton is a reflection of anything going in the wrong direction from their view. It was just too good of a deal for them to pass up. Makes total sense. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on. There always seems to be Patriots news breaking, no matter what time of year, no matter what's going on in the outside world, always stuff happening with the Patriots, which is why we're so lucky to have you here at ESPN and have you hop on the show. Where can people check out more of your Patriots coverage? Well, on ESPN.com, 
you can go right on there to the Patriots Clubhouse page. And it's not even just my work. We have a great staff at ESPN. Your work will pop up there uh, right on the page when you write in on the Patriots and on Twitter. Um, my name is uh, Mike, R-E-I-S-S. And um, I, I'll tweet out all our stories and try to interact with followers whenever possible. Awesome. Well, Mike, you know it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you, Bill. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. We're going to come back in a second with Matt Bowen here on The Bill Barnwell Show. Back here on The Bill Barnwell Show. And as promised, one of my favorite guests, one of the smartest people on the planet when it comes to talking about football, which is why he is on the show, my colleague, Matt Bowen. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about how the Patriots might change their offense in 2020 with one of two quarterbacks, because it's not just about whether the offense might change with Cam Newton, but also whether it changes with Jared Stidham. So we're going to talk about both those guys, and I want to talk to you about it. You're someone who, as a coach, as an analyst on matchup, as a fan, as a former player, you look at these offenses, you understand how the, the game is changing inside, outside the NFL, and I think you have a great grasp on on what concepts might work for a particular quarterback in a particular scheme at a particular time in NFL history. So let's start with Cam. Because I think, uh, you know, once once the news broke about Cam, I think you had a lot of people thinking, hey, you know, how is this offense for the Patriots going to be different? What might change if Cam Newton were the Patriots quarterback? How do you think the Patriots offense might look with Cam Newton as their quarterback? And this is, of course, assuming Cam is healthy. Right. Yeah, and you have to assume he's healthy. And when you mean healthy with Cam, it also means having the dual threat ability, the running traits, the rare physical and athletic gifts um, that make him unique at the position and make him so tough to game plan for from a defensive perspective. Um, Because he he, can create constant stress for the defense because of the quarterback run game and movement passes. You know, I think at the core, Bill, if I'm Josh McDaniel and I have Cam Newton, you start with the pass game and how are you going to build the pass game? I think it's going to be, you know, Run, play, action, mix. That's where I would start. And look at personnel. I think you're going to see a lot of 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, and a lot of 12 personnel. I think that that fits Cam very well in a pass game that I'm envisioning here. You get multiple tight ends in the field. That means you can scheme up those tight ends, teams and crossers off the play action, whether it's under center or out of the gun. You can scheme verticals down the field. That's where you're going to take your shots. You throw a lot of intermediate throws that give them multiple reads or high-low reads in the middle of the field, whether that's mess, mesh, shallow crossers. You know, mesh is like when you have two crossers coming from opposite sides of the formation. You're trying to pick each other off. You'll have a high read behind it. Or a simple high-low, Bill. And when I look at a high-low, that's somewhere underneath on a sit route. That's, you know, a little five-yard hitch and someone behind it on the dick. But I really think you want him to work the middle of the field and be a timing rhythm thrower, create open windows, but especially scheme those matchups. Okay, now you have to look at the personnel. Do they have the personnel to do that? Because I'm telling you, last season, Bill, I thought this offense was, in New England was very easy to defend. I really did. And that's with Tom Brady, a quarterback. Look, I don't think the offensive line played at an extremely high level. They didn't run the ball efficiently. And they didn't have matchup players, especially at the tight end position. There wasn't a tight end in that roster last year. If I'm a safety or an opposing defensive coordinator, that would have scared me. I'm just being honest. I really don't believe it. So now you have two young tight ends. Okay, now, Bill, we always know with young players, especially a unique offseason like we're having, with no training, 
no OTAs, no install. Uh, you know, I, I know you you can be on Zoom. You know, teaching is just like coaching. It's hands-on. You got to be in the classroom. You got to be on the field. You got to rep that stuff. So maybe the rookies will be a little bit behind. But look at guys like Devin Asiasi of UCLA. I think he can be a matchup player. Mm-hmm. I understand he's a rookie, but he's got team stretching ability. He can run crossers. You also have Dalton King, who they drafted. You got two young tight ends that you can use and maybe to build 21 sets, maybe to build 12 personnel sets. Now, on top of that is the quarterback run game with King. That has to be a part of the equation because we talked about the top, the physical athletic gifts, the rare traits that you rarely see at this position, given his size and speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see zone read. I think you'll see quarterback power. I think you'll see inverted read. And, and you know, inverted power, inverted read is when you're going to get a front side puller on a read concept for the quarterback position. Um, very tough to defend. Like I said, creates st- stress with opposing defense. Forces you to dedicate extra practice time. Mm-hmm. Now, when do those runs come? Because you have to remember, Cam's coming off injuries. Now, he's not going to have the rushing totals of a Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. But can he have the rushing totals of a Josh Allen? Sure. I believe he can. The rushing totals of a Russell Wilson? Sure. I think you scheme those up based on down and distance, game situation, and especially in the plus 10-yard line. Look, I'm writing a piece right now, Bill, uh, for, for ESPN, and it's coming off many times is writing a piece about the goal line fate. All right? And so I'm taking off of that. What are the best plays and the best players inside what I call the tight red zone? That's the plus five-yard line to the goal line. If Cam Newton's healthy, he's the best player in the league, right? He's the best goal line runner in the league. That's what he is. That's what he is. But, and when you do quarterback run schemes inside the plus five-yard line, one, you're getting plus one at the point of attack. Yes. But you also have to tackle him. You, know, you also have to get him on the ground, which is not easy to do when he's got a puller and a lead blocker in front of him. He can go over the top. He can bounce the ball outside. He don't do so many different things. Now, off of that, going back to, you know, the base personnel and out in the field passing, I would install more boot. I do boot and boot fly with Cam all day under center. Use misdirection. Get him outside the pocket. Give him level reads down the field. Throw the flat, throw the, throw the out, throw the deep ball. Read the defense. Give, take what the defense gives you and also gives you a run pass option off that. But I really think ultimately with Cam, you need those tight ends. You need guys who can run after the catch. Julian Edelman is going to be a major part of this as well because you can do play action, hit the crossers, hit the underneath shells, give Edelman those catch and run opportunities. And also the quick game. Look, the quick game has always been a part of yeah. New England, always. And the quick game we know is Julian Edelman underneath, is James White out of the backfield. It's using those combination routes on the backside when you have a tight end and James White. Again, get a two-level read and work James White underneath. High percentage throw, the ball comes out quick. Now you catch and run and move. And also, again, what do we always see in the New England passing game? That is not just unique to Cam, but what is, you know, kind of fits the profile of Josh McDaniels, the screen game with the running backs. A lot of misdirection screens. You know, get defenders moving. Set the bait for their eyes. Get them chasing goats. And sneak the running back out to the flat with, with blockers out in front. Again, another high percentage throw for Cam. I really think if you're going to put, you know, we use those passing charts, Bill. I think at the end of the season, if Cam's a starter and healthy the entire season, I think that thing's going to light up in the middle of the field. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, and I think to your point about last year's offense, not only were there the offensive line concerns, you know, he had guys beat up, you had guys playing less than 100%, you had guys injured. Um, David Andrews missed the entire season. Isaiah Wynn was out for a chunk of the year. Um, but I, I think even furthermore, and I read about this a little bit in my piece on camp from earlier this week, 
the the thing that the offense was missing was that ability to attack you where you were weakest. Um, with Gronk, you know, they had a uh, a guy who, when when they went with twenty one personnel or, or twelve personnel, they had a guy who could be a matchup beater against linebackers and safeties in the passing game. And then when they went small and went with you know eleven personnel. They had a basically another offensive lineman or something close to another offensive lineman as a run blocker. So, you know, right. they were able to create those mismatches with their personnel groupings in a way that they weren't a year ago. Um, they just didn't have that ability to pull that off. So, you know, I wonder if Cam can be that guy from the quarterback spot where, you know, when you do spread the opposing defense out and you get why, well, now you have Cam, you have a, you know, you add another number to your side in the box as a runner, um, and you have a physical guy who's very tough to tackle with, with a reduced box. And then the flip side is when you go with that 12 personnel or 21 personnel, when you have those tight ends who can catch the football, when you have the running backs who can catch the football, um, you know, you have a guy who can work off a of play action and make those throws to, you know, hurt teams who come out in base personnel against those those packages. I agree. You know, one other thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, this was a couple of years ago. Um, it was a Thursday night game against Houston. Mm-hmm. And when Jacoby Brissett started. Yes. And that was a short week, right? It was a short week. And it was such a brilliant game plan by Josh McDaniels. Now, it's just a one-game setting, right? But what did you see in there? You saw so many different or multiple aspects of the quarterback run game installed that week. Okay, so you know Josh McDaniels. And that's just one example. It doesn't – that's that, does not mean what they're going to do every game this season. Sure. But my point is, is that Josh McDaniels can game plan to fit his personnel. Okay, and that's coaching one-on-one. You don't take a player and force him into a scheme. You build a scheme around the player. Now, again, we're talking about aspects of Josh McDaniels' scheme. That will always be there. the screen game, the tight ends, the middle of the field throws, the play action, the running back uh, route tree. That's always going to be there. But, again, scheming specifically towards camp. For me, that means more boot. It means more play action. It means more movement passes get him outside the pocket on sprint and off misdirection, and it means the quarterback run game. So now you take your base offense, your core concepts, which you've been running for forever with Tom Brady, right? And we've seen Tom Brady do power play action, pull a guard, throw the ball to running back, hit the back, back foot, turn around, trust it, see it, throw the seam route to ground with a cross to the ground. That's going to be in there. We know that. But on top of that, now you start to mix in the plays that specifically cater to the skill set of Cam Newton, and that's what can make this offense dangerous. Absolutely. Uh, is there a team or a player or, or, or a scheme or anything that you think we might see the Patriots borrow some concepts from for Cam Newton this upcoming season? Borrow? Well, you know, if you're looking at the quarterback run game, I'd look at Baltimore. Look at Baltimore just because of how they do it. You know, Baltimore, a lot of their quarterback runs, Bill, are with heavy personnel on the field. Yep. 12, 13, 21 personnel. I mean, it's old school. I mean, it's, it's Lamar in the pistol or in the gun. It's zone read. It's GT read. It's inverted power read. And they get number, They get multiple numbers at the point of attack. They went on angles, and they get numbers at the point of attack. And off of that, you get a lot of play action. You get the tight ends incorporated into the pass game. You get boot. You get make it boot. So if there's one team that I would look at and study this offseason, Going into training camp, I would put on the Ravens tape and say, look at how they're getting multiple tight ends on the field. Look how they're getting a fullback on the field and using that, one, for the downhill run game, both zone and power, but also for the quarterback run game and the play action off of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the team that came to mind for me. You know, I think just 
the Patriots got to see it firsthand, right? You know, the Patriots got got stomped by the Ravens in that game. The Ravens did what they wanted for most of that game on offense. And, um, you know, the, obviously the Tennessee game happened, and I'm sure that Lamar Jackson will still be very good, but take a step backwards probably uh, just because it's hard to be the MVP year after year. But that Ooh. running game works. It's worked in multiple places with multiple quarterbacks. And, um, you know, I, I do have to think that, you know, both both as a runner and then also taking – you know, your play action opportunities off of that running game. I think it makes total sense for the Patriots to go out and steal some of the, it does. yeah, not, not just the plays, but also the motion and, and, and the personnel groupings and sort of the wrinkles and, you know, just sort of take stuff that, that works because we've seen it works. You know, you got to have the right quarterback when you have the right quarterback, it works really, really well. Um, right. And that stuff doesn't go out of style. They're running load yeah. option. They ran some load option against New England. Bill, I ran that as a quarterback at Glenbard West High School in 1994, okay? So the stuff still works, is my point. It still works, all right? Football hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's how you present it, how you set it up, what personnel you have in the field, down and distance, field position. All that stuff comes into play. But also those tight ends. You look at Baltimore, Bill, um, you know, a guy like Mark Andrews and the production he had last year. One of the reasons, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just looking at the film, Baltimore didn't see a lot of split safety coverage. Say why? Because you, you gotta get <laughs> you gotta get numbers in the box. Yeah. Play these guys, right? You got three tight ends in the field. Well, you gotta bring a safety down. What does that do? That opens up the seams. I go remember that Monday night game against uh, the Rams, Rams this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the seams are open. I mean, against the... San Francisco, the seams are open. I mean, we're talking about good defensive coordinators in those games that had had real issues against Lamar and that offensive system because. You have to decide, am I going to play split safety and try to take away the tight ends of the pass game? Or I have to stop Lamar and Mark Ingram in the run game. Uh, you know, you're really put in a tough spot. You can't win either way. And a lot of teams were rotating that safety down. So now you have these open zones. And, again, the ball doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect off the play action because you have tight ends who have a huge catch radius. They can body up defensive backs. They can make plays outside of their frame. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great thing for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Lamar because he had a great season and, and was, you know, was a very good quarterback and I think an underrated pocket passer going back to his time at Louisville. But mm-hmm. it, it makes your life easier when you, you know, you know, hey, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting cover two. I'm not getting cover four very frequently. Teams aren't going to want to play a ton of man against me because, you know, if you're playing man and I beat the guy who's assigned to me in man, you know, I'm, I'm hitting my head on the on the uprights and you know, we're going to score. Um so you're seeing a lot of cover one, you've seen a lot of cover three, and we saw in that yeah. offense, you know, it was a lot of four verts. It was a lot of, you know, deep over, clear out, and get, getting the ball to that yeah. tight end coming across the field. And, you know, I, I think when we think about Lamar Jackson, it's not just, oh, he's a threat as a runner, but also it makes the passing game easier. It makes their life easier in terms of, of what they want to scheme up and what they are able to do and what they want, what they're going to see after the snap. Right, allows them to, it allows them to attack space. In, a, yeah. in the past game, it allows them to create matchups in the past game. Um, mm-hmm. So that I mean, that's a, that's a tough assignment. It's a tough assignment. We saw it all last year against some of the best defenses in the National Football League that did not have answers. And that's the thing. You know, every coordinator goes into a game with an answer sheet. We're going to do this if they do this. Yes. They do this, we do this. Well, you didn't really have them. You know, <laughs> I don't know what was on those answer sheets because it wasn't working. And th- I mean, that, that was a real tough test for the entire league last year against Baltimore, and I'm very interested to see what teams have done this offseason to prepare for Baltimore. And now, not knowing what you're going to get from New England, really. Like you, look, 
Bill, we could talk about this all day. We really don't know. I mean, 100% no. It's not on film yet. That's a tough test for the AFC East teams. If Cam is healthy and he's the number one, you think you know, but until you see it on the field, you might be a step behind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's flip it a bit. Now, obviously, the the Cam news uh, makes it less likely Jared Stidham will be the starting quarterback right. for the Patriots, although obviously we still don't know. We just talked with Mike Reese in the first segment on the show, and you know, Mike's, Mike made it very clear that Jared Stidham is someone the Patriots still like quite a bit. Um, in terms right. of Jared Stidham, let's say he wins the job. Based on what you've seen, based on what you think, what would the Patriots offense look like if he was the guy uh, this upcoming season? Okay, we well, have to go back really to the Auburn tape. I mean, only threw what three or four passes in the regular season last year, right, Bill? Yep. And uh, you know, the preseason tape is that's like scrimmage tape to me. Uh, you know, you're not you're not really making evaluations off that, in my opinion. So you go back to Auburn. What type of thrower is he? Okay, mm-hmm. to me, he has very similar throwing traits to Jimmy Garoppolo. Very similar mm-hmm. in terms of release, in terms of velocity. I think he's a better mover than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a better athlete than Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, to me, that means. Again, you can get a little bit more movement, a little bit more boot. But, again, heavy play action, heavy quick game. Uh, I think you want him to process one, two to three very quickly, more likely one to two. You, you want to simplify things for him because he has not played meaningful snap in the National Football League. So you're going to want to simplify things for him, give him more defined reads. You know, I'm writing – here's another example. I'm writing a piece that's coming out tomorrow for ESPN on Baker Mayfield in Cleveland with Kevin Stefanski. You know, the same offense that Kirk Cousins played you know, that's a very – you look at those reads, very defined reads for Kirk Cousins. Same thing it's going to be with Baker. It's play-action throw the crosser. It's play-action boot plug. It's play-action boot. Uh, it's play-action seam with, with multiple tight ends in the field. Uh, it's a lot – you know, Minnesota last year ranked in the top five in 21, 12, and 13 personnel. Okay, now I don't think that New England would be that. I still think if Stidham's in there, you'll see a lot of 11 personnel. Mm-hmm. But I do think you'll see 12, not as much as with Cam's in there, but I still think you'd see 12 and 21 personnel as well. Uh, well, again, not be the exact route tree of Tom Brady. But here's the thing. You know, it's one thing to look at scheme. I always go to the red zone with Brady, why he was so good in the red zone, because Brady knew he was going with the ball before that was even snapped, <laughs> right? His processing ability is off the charts. His football intelligence is off the charts. Jared Sidham's not there yet. He's not. You have to admit that. So as a coach, you say, well, what can we do to make things – more defined and more clear for him. That's why I think you'll see more layer reads, um, more deep in-breaking concepts, more crossers, more plash, and more quick game with him where he can process as quick as he can at this point of his career, get from one to two, and the ball comes out. If you're Josh McDaniels and you're you're check and you're thinking about these quarterbacks, would you rather have – one guy as your primary guy and the other guy be a backup? Or do you think it's better to have, um, you know, maybe Jared Stidham as the starter and Cam coming in for a few snaps per game as a change of pace? Would you rather be all or nothing or kind of a mix of both? Um, I'd rather be all or nothing as a coach. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'd rather have him one. I think that's important to the team, too. Mm-hmm. That this is our guy. And, you know, in and, and teams I played on, they had quarterback competitions. Everyone wanted to know who the guy was. That's very important. Whether you want to be the leader or not, I don't care if you're talking about a high school quarterback or a pro quarterback, you are the leader of the offense. Um, and everyone wants to know who that guy is. I think that's, you know, in terms of team chemistry, that's very important. But also just the rhythm of your offense. And, look, we see teams. I mean, we see it down in New Orleans. And they bring in Taysom Hill sometimes and throw deep balls. We see it, right? We see it happen. Uh, but for me, 
I think you have, if we start training camp on time and have, uh, you know, enough time for guys to compete on the practice field, because um, I really think that's where that competition is going to happen. I, you know, for me, I, I want to have a guy win the job, win the job. And, and, and you stay with that guy. You stay with them. Uh, and you allow him to make some mistakes. You have to. You have mm-hmm. to. Uh, you can never play musical chairs at that position. You just cannot. You simply cannot. Uh, that ruins your football team. Ruins the chemistry of the football team, and you go downhill from there. So um, to answer your question in a long-winded way, Bill, uh, I think McDaniels and Belichick would like to have a starter quarterback, whether it's Cam or Jarrett Stidham. Um, now, I understand the other idea that if for some reason Stidham were to win the job, that you could use Cam, especially in those specific game situations where he can use, utilize his running traits. Um, either in the tight red zone, third and short situations. I could understand that. But for me as a coach, if I'm in their shoes, I want a guy to win the job. Well, I got to finish by asking you this question, then. You know where I'm going to go. In terms mm-hmm. of that quarterback situation, in terms of that battle, if we have a normal or something close to normal in terms of training camp, in terms of a normal, pre- right. maybe a abbreviated preseason, um, but we get training camp, we get guys practicing, who do you think wins this job, Cam Newton or Jared Stidham? If Cam Newton's healthy, I think Cam wins the job. I really believe that. You know, just because we know if Cam's healthy, we know what type of player he is. Uh, and I'm not talking about past production. I'm talking spinning this forward. If he's healthy at this stage of his career, we still know what type of player he is, how he can run an offense, how he can create stress for opposing defenses. You just don't know that about Stidham yet. You don't. I mean, you simply don't. You can say you do. I mean, I talked about his traits, and that's one thing to talk about a player's traits. You have to see him play football for an extended period of time at the professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what Cam can do if he's healthy, I think Cam's the number one week one in New York. I do too, but a lot of time to get to before we get there. But it's always a pleasure, Matt, to have you on the show. Where can people check out more of the work you do on the Patriots, on the Browns, just about everyone else when it comes to the NFL. Where can they uh, find out more about that? Well, I have a couple of columns coming up. I have uh, a Baker Rayfield piece coming out um, tomorrow on ESPN.com, um, how he fits with Kevin Stefanski's offense. And mm-hmm. really what I did, Bill, is I took five situations that kind of elevate Baker's play and make him a more efficient passer within this system. Next week I'm going to have uh, the tight red zone piece. The best players in the tight red zone, the best schemes, and the best team in the tight red zone. Um, and then on Twitter, you can follow me at Matt Bowen 41 Matt, you know it's always a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Bill. You have a great 4th of July, right? All right. Thanks so much again to my guests today, both from ESPN, Mike Reese, Matt Bowen, two of the best when it comes to their respective beats. Follow them both on Twitter. Check out their stuff on ESPN and keep listening to The Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks so much. I um, hope you guys are healthy and hanging in there. We have more audio coming, more football coming. I think in the next few weeks, maybe we're going to do, I think I might reach out on Twitter to ask more about what you guys want to hear, because obviously at, we're at a uh, interesting point when it comes to the NFL, maybe too far away from the season to really preview stuff and too close to, or too far away from the off season to recap that stuff. So maybe some instructionals, maybe get some ex-players, some some experts who are a lot smarter than me when it comes to things, maybe get them on the show to talk about stuff. So I might be polling people on Twitter about what they might want to see. So if you're interested, we want to hear about something specific, please reach out, let me know, and we will have more audio in the weeks to come. Thanks so much for listening.